Welcome to the Hilltop United Methodist Church podcast. Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 10.30. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye. As uh, Alan indicated, we're going to uh, spend some time over the next two months focusing on the idea of listening in conversation with the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, Today, the idea is generosity, uh, but it's not generosity as in uh, what I was holding there with the plates, uh, of generosity of your riches, of of your abundance, but it's the generosity of spirit, kindness of spirit, generosity of understanding is the one we're going to be driving at today for that. Um, today is Epiphany. It's, um, I'll talk a little bit, a little bit, about, a bit, a bit about that during the reflection. Um, and I want to focus on uh, a, a letter from Paul to the church in Ephesus. There are overtones here of the Matthew story uh, of the arrival of the Magi in Bethlehem and their recognition of who Jesus is. And part of what Paul is driving at in this letter, in this portion of the letter, and what the Magi were doing uh, in Matthew is this recognition of Jesus as a Savior for all, all of the world. Not, Not a limited chosen people, but all of God's children are chosen people. That's the passage there for us to think about. And and that, that, I think, is an important element of the idea of epiphany. I'm going to be reading to you from uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, and it's found on page 193 uh, in your pew Bibles. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words. It's earlier in Ephesians. A reading which will, which, will, which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles, apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is... The Gentiles have become fellow heirs and members of the same body and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence, through faith in him. I pray, therefore, that you may not lose heart over my suffering for you. They are your glory. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's start with the idea of the word epiphany. Epiphany comes to us from Greek, epiphania, and it means the visit of God, of a God, to earth. Christ is that God. Throughout the Advent season, we talked about this idea of Emmanuel, God with us. We often talk about God incarnate, God in the flesh. Sometimes we eat chili con carne, chili with meat. Well, it's the same idea. It's God with meat, God's physical presence with us. The incarnation and the promise of God that is given to us through Advent and, and throughout the Scripture is, a, is important to us. Emmanuel, God with us, is critical. But as Emmanuel, the chosen people were that old boundary that existed where the chosen people were a select group of people set aside to develop a vocabulary, a set of scripture, an understanding of how Christ, how God would be understood in the world, that boundary has now been broken down. It doesn't exist anymore. So we come back now to this second definition, second idea we have of epiphany. We say something has an epiphany, they have an aha moment. They go, wow, that's an unexpected revelation for me. That's an unexpected fact. That's not something I didn't expect to have happen. Tell me, if, if, I had, if you had lived in the first century, how many of you would have expected God to come and walk with us and be in the flesh? I would guess very few, if any. That's part of the need we have is for us to see the unexpected element of God's love here. And that's what Paul is driving at in this particular passage. It's this unexpected element of the fact that people thought they knew how God was going to be revealed to them uh, through the chosen people, and God has turned all that upside down. It's all been changed. It's made different. And throughout the Advent season, we kept talking about darkness, hints of light. And that light has now come. It arrived on Christmas Day. And now it's important for us to stop and pause and understand how that light is made manifest. We've sung and talked about it during the worship today. That what happened at Christmas was sort of a quasi-family event. It was Mary and Joseph and a few shepherds that got invited by some angels. Oh yeah, there were angels in the story too. But it was small. It was small. And now here through this idea of the epiphany, the idea is magnified out. It's the star has been made visible to everyone. All of God's children. Epiphany lifts our eyes from a focus on a small family event to an event of universal importance. A message carried out the ends of the earth. That's our task. It also demands that we, as the wise men did, have the courage to follow the light of that star, however hazardous the journey, that the light of our faith should be so strong that we're able to see and recognize our Lord and ruler. In however unexpected a way, he may present himself to us, and that having recognized him, we should bow down and truly honor him with our adoration and our awe. Alan read to you from, from Kings, talking to you about a conversation between God and Elijah 
about how God speaks. And in the passage there, we, we hear that God spoke in silence. Sometimes in the King James Version, it's God speaks in small, still voice. And we also focused on the idea of the fruit of the Spirit around generosity, generosity of spirit, generosity of attitude. Let me ask you some questions. What might God be whispering to you now? What unexpected words, what unexpected ideas are being given to you in that whisper? Maybe God is saying to you, asking you the same question he asked Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And maybe at the end, how small, still voice. Gather us in the lost and forsaken. Gather us in the blind and the lame. Call to us now and we shall awaken. We shall arise at the sound of our name. Epiphany. The second word I want to focus on is reconciliation. Paul hinted at it there. He made the comment that of words that I have spoken to you earlier, what has he spoken to them earlier about in this? He talks about the fact that the message is for Gentile and Jew. Now, not, in, not here in this particular passage does he say it, but it's, he also says it in other times. It's not isolated to men. It also extends itself out to women. Not Gentile, not Jew. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. The message is universal. And it's driven by this idea of reconciling all of God's children together. All of God's creation is brought together in the message of Christ. That's what for today Paul is driving at. One commentator, as I was preparing for today, talked about the importance for us to understand this idea of reconciliation. He would write, without reconciliation of nations, peoples, tribes, ethnicities, and genders, the knowledge and fullness of God will remain a mystery even to the leaders of the church. It is when people experience reconciliation that they become part of the church and eventually be drawn into the work of peace, justice, and love. I would say to us that reconciliation is an important element of our ministry in the world as Christians. It's important for us to see that trying to bring people together, warring people together, people that are in friction with each other together into one place is part of our task. So let's return our hearts and minds and remind ourselves of that Elijah in the King's passage, hearing God speak. Let us return to the idea of generosity again. What might be God whispering to you now? Unexpected words and ideas are being given to you so that you can be part of the whispering in the world about the idea of reconciliation and perhaps being the first to reach across a boundary in love. How, how is God speaking to you and asking you, how, excuse me, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What might be your part of a generous, reconciling response to God's small, still voice?
Gather us in the rich and the haughty, gather us in the proud and the strong. Give us a heart so meek and so lowly, give us the courage to enter the song. Epiphany, reconciliation. The third word I want to focus on is generosity. Not the generosity of cash, but the generosity of spirit. But for Paul, it's important for us to recognize that generosity is a fruit of the spirit. It's a manifestation of who we become by being a follower of Christ. It's, 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 it's part of the metrics of who we say we are as followers of Christ. Can I make sure we all understand something? Generosity is a characteristic of God. It's one of the primary marks of God in the world. We read it throughout the scripture over and over again. What does Jesus do at Cana? He's generous and makes wine. What does Jesus do when people are there wanting to hear him speak and they're there without food? He takes borrow to the cross on our behalf in the world. Generosity is a characteristic of God. And one of, the, one of the strongest manifestations of that is this idea of God's grace, God's chesed. God's grace is carried out in the world. So I've commented many times, we seem to have sometimes domesticated Jesus. We've turned him into us. Well, sometimes we do the same thing with God's love. We take God's love and we make it into our understanding of what, God's, of what love is. And that we fail when we do that. We read that passage out of Philippians where God's love transcends all understanding. It's greater than anything we can wrap our mind around. I don't know about you, but I see that as generosity. I see that as fantastic generosity. And it's a chance for us to realize that we need to carry that out in the world. I didn't have time at nine, but I'm going to tell a short story out of Roberta Bondi's book called To Love Is God Love. She makes the point in that book that if we were to all get into an enormous circle, an enormous circle, and hold hands, and then keep moving closer and closer, imagining the idea that at the center of the circle was God, what are we doing as we get closer and closer to God in that circle. We're getting closer and closer to each other. That's the nature of what it is to understand generosity in God's terms. Give us to drink the wine of compassion. Give us to eat the bread that is you. Nourish us well and teach us to fashion lives that are holy and hearts that are true. The United Methodist Church is going to gather in special meeting in St. Louis in about two months the end of, end of February. We're going to gather together for a special meeting to talk to the topic of human sexuality. This is a topic that has uh, been difficult and challenging to talk about for over 50 years. 
We have gotten to a place where we, we we're going to try to get together and talk it over and see if we can reach some measure of what it is that God is asking us to be alert to, to awake to, to have an aha moment, to recognize God here on earth with us. It's a chance for us to stop and pause and be reconciled to those that are around us, those who are not straight, those who are created different than people that are straight. They're created in such a way that their orientation is different than the straight world. And finally, we're going to get together and ask ourselves the question of, can we have a generosity of spirit towards those that we don't think alike with? Is that going to be possible for us to do that? Here's my request for you today. As you get ready to go to bed tonight and you do your devotional and you stop and pause and you get your knees on the floor as you pray, pray for the church to be alert to God's love and to awaken to it. Pray for reconciliation across boundaries, across groups that might not be able to see us reconciled in God's message. And pray for generosity of spirit, generosity of spirit grounded in grace, grounded in God's grace given to us by the love of Jesus Christ. So let's return to those questions I've been asking. What might be God whispering to you now? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What might be, Bill, your generous, reconciling, grace-filled response to God's small, still voice? Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 1030. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye.